This is the Global Mail podcast, a conversation with Global Mail reporters and contributors, taking you behind some of our best projects and stories. I'm Michael Safi. I'm at Sydney's Belvoir Street Theatre, where an audience is gathering, about to take their seats for tonight's show. Ralph Myers is the theatre's artistic director. And, as well as being concerned with set design and the way the actors perform, he's also worried about something less expected, namely, international trade agreements. It's a sort of argy-bargy that's going on uh, between 12 countries uh, around the Pacific to reach an agreement about a kind of trade agreement that sort of suits everybody's interests. My fear is that we citizens of a, of a country like Australia get end up getting a raw deal as kind of collateral damage in something that's actually really designed to benefit big national interests elsewhere. He's talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP, a free trade agreement that Australia, the United States and 10 other countries are hurrying to negotiate before the end of the year. If they can agree on it, the TPP will be the largest free trade agreement ever signed. It will apply to some 800 million people and encompass 40% of the world's GDP. We'll get back to Belvoir a little later. First, the TPP is one of nine free trade agreements that Australia is currently negotiating. There are seven in place already, with countries like Thailand, New Zealand, Chile and the United States. One of the things that makes the TPP so controversial, apart from its size, is that it might allow something of which previous Australian governments have been wary, but which the new coalition government has signalled they're open to. Investor State Trade Dispute Settlement, or ISDS. It's a provision that is uh, often used in trade agreements, which gives foreign companies the right to sue national governments of the signatory governments in international forums if they think that their business has been negatively impacted by some decision that the government has taken. That's Mike Seckham, a journalist from the Global Mail, who was among the first to raise the alarm about the new government's attitude towards ISDS. Literally... A day before the election, I think, they put out their trade policy and I was looking through it. And, and I was aware of the ISDS, some, not deeply aware, but I was aware of the history of it. And I noticed that they had put in there that they, they were going to race to try and complete a whole lot of trade deals that they said had been stalled, quote unquote, under Labor, and that they were looking to do them with a whole bunch of countries, notably South Korea, Japan, Indonesia. I have a list here somewhere. The full list is on DFAT's website. It includes major agreements with India the Middle East Gulf states, and one with China, all of which the government is hoping a more flexible attitude towards ISDS might help them complete. Now, Australia's free trade treaty with the United States has no ISDS provision. So if an American company, say ExxonMobil, feels that a law passed by the Australian government hurts their business, the company would have to convince the US government to sue Australia. With an ISDS provision, however, ExxonMobil could just sue the Australian government directly. And that's exactly what's happening now, in an especially notorious case involving the tobacco company, Philip Morris. Mike Seckham explains it like this. Philip Morris, for example, having tried to um, take the uh, Australian government to the High Court over its plain packaging legislation for cigarettes, had uh, lost there and then had recourse to uh, Hong Kong, where we have a, a bilateral arrangement with ISDs in it. And what the tobacco company did was it set up a subsidiary in that country specifically for the purpose of taking us on in the in the international forums to see if they could get the decision overturned. That case is still ongoing. 
it's being conducted very secret, secretively. We have no idea how it's going or how much we've had to spend on it so far, uh, simply to defend this action. So a branch of Philip Morris based in Hong Kong bought another branch of Philip Morris in Australia. And then, using the ISDS provision in Australia's Free Trade Treaty with Hong Kong, they were able to directly sue the Australian government over the plain packaging of cigarettes. They also convinced countries that produce tobacco, places like Honduras, Cuba and the Ukraine, to challenge Australia's plain packaging laws with the World Trade Organisation. Now, what's interesting is that most legal experts we spoke to said that Philip Morris is unlikely to win either of these cases, and they've already lost a similar case in the High Court of Australia. But Tanya Voon, a law professor at Melbourne University, says that the point of these cases might not actually be to win. I think it's clear that it's costing a great deal. Uh, Indeed, I think this is really one of the purposes of bringing these cases in the case of plain packaging, is to drain resources of the government and delay things as much as possible, and in that process to hope to discourage other countries from adopting similar measures so that other countries may be more reluctant to do so. But it seems that a number of other countries are still considering doing so. For example, New Zealand and Ireland in particular have indicated that they do intend to pursue similar measures to Australia's. Now, we should be clear, the vast majority of ISDS cases are brought over legitimate disputes. ISDS can be a good thing. It can encourage corporations to invest in countries like India or Indonesia that are crying out for foreign companies to invest in things like roads and power plants. For these companies, ISDS is a guarantee. If they invest in a project with, say, an Indian state-owned enterprise which refuses to pay its bills, not unusual in developing countries, the company knows it has some way of getting its money back. But the cases where it's also being used by companies to attack environmental or health regulations are also mounting. Here's Seco. There was one um, one that I drew attention to in my story, which was particularly interesting, I thought, related to Canada, where the province of Quebec was a little worried about fracking for gas, and so they put a moratorium on it so they could do an environmental study to see what the environmental consequences might be. Well, it so happened that there was a US company called Lone Pine Resources, which was registered in Delaware, but was operating in um, out of Calgary in Canada which uh, decided it would use the ISDS provisions of the NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, to take Canada on on the subject and has sued for $250 million. As of last year, Australia was the only country in the TPP negotiations still refusing to allow ISDS. Whether the new coalition government has changed that, we won't know till the agreement is signed, because the negotiations are conducted in secret. Or at least they were until this November. That's when WikiLeaks published a draft chapter of the TPP on their website. It's just one of 29 chapters being negotiated, but it covers the topic of intellectual property. So we don't own the song we just played. Nobody here wrote it, or could claim the music was their intellectual property. It was free because it's really old and the copyright on it has expired. So it slips into the public domain, and anybody can use it. Now, as you can imagine, intellectual property, or IP, is a broad term. It covers basically any creation of the mind, music, writing, scientific inventions, bits of computer code. 
What the TPP proposes to do is to standardise the laws around who owns these creations, to make them the same in all of the 12 countries who are negotiating the treaty. Dr Matthew Rimmer is an IP specialist at the Australian National University in Canberra. He's well placed to analyse the chapter published by WikiLeaks, and he doesn't like what he sees. You know, the Trans-Pacific Partnership is literally a Mickey Mouse agreement um, <laughs> with copyright term extensions for Hollywood um, studios like Disney. He really doesn't like it. It's really kind of like a stealth bomber, you know. It is designed to um, introduce a package of policy reforms through Parliament throughout jurisdictions in the Pacific Rim. You know, the approach of the text of the Trans-Pacific Partnership has been very much about providing stronger and longer intellectual property protection. It will mean Australians keep paying more than the rest of the world for their iPhones and for programs like Photoshop. More concerningly, the NGO, Doctors Without Borders, says the TPP might mean drug companies can delay or prevent generic copies of their drugs being made, denying cheap, essential medicines to millions. But let's just focus on one issue, something called copyright term extension. It brings us back to Sydney's Belvoir Street Theatre, because, of course, another example of intellectual property is a play. And, artistic director Ralph Myers says, Belvoir likes to do things differently. We frequently here at Belvoir do radical reinterpretations of classic plays. Lots of those classic plays are out of copyright. Shakespeare, the plays of the Greeks, 19th century dramas like Ibsen. And we're free to do whatever we want. We're very conscious of respecting the work of the original artist. We always try and keep the core uh, spirit of those, of those works intact. But what we do and what the actors actually ultimately end up saying is frequently uh, words and texts uh, that are completely generated elsewhere by other artists, by our artists, by our actors, by our playwrights, by our directors, that aren't the words of Ibsen, they're not the words uh, of those original playwrights. Uh, we do that because we're trying to make work that speaks to an audience now, in the same way that Shakespeare was making work for an audience in Elizabethan or Jacobean London. But that severely restricts the sorts of shows Belvoir can run. It's, it's stupid that uh, lawyers acting for um, a dead artist um, can either dictate the terms by which you do the work uh, and make aesthetic stipulations or just flatly prevent you from doing that work or quoting that work or using parts of that work. Now, Ralph's artwork relies on adaptation, and so perhaps it's understandable that he has a particularly anarchic view of how copyright should work. But the point is that copyright was intended to be relatively short-term. Originally, it extended for 50 years after the original writer or artist had died. Then, as part of Australia's free trade agreement with the United States, signed in 2004, it was pushed to 70 years. Now, according to the leaked chapter of the TPP, it could be extended to 95 or 100 years. It's just bad for art. Um, it's, it's bad for us as a culture. I mean, Shakespeare didn't do that. Shakespeare Hamlet, which we've got on at the theatre at the moment, was a rip-off of a play that was on five years before in, in, in London. Shakespeare went and saw it. He went, you know what, this is not a bad story. This is a dreadful play. This is not a bad story. It would be better if it had this and it had that. 
and I, he, you know, he added in incredible kind of ideas. But he lifted the whole thing, holus bolus, from another playwright. He didn't pay him, uh, you know, whoever that other playwright was. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't acknowledge him. It's just like, uh, it's a robust culture. You know, it's a robust artistic culture, and we need to, we need to operate in a world like that. That's Ralph Myers from the Belvoir Street Theatre with his concerns about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, shaping up to be the world's largest free trade agreement. Negotiators hope to have it signed by the end of the year, although that's looking increasingly unlikely. For Mike Seckham's story on ISDS, check out our website, theglobalmail.org. This has been a Global Mail podcast. I'm Michael Safi. Thanks for listening. <laughs>